lyrics, I'm running to your arms, nothing compares to your embrace. Remember those lyrics as we read this morning's scripture. You guys may be seated. Thank you very much, you guys. Good morning, Victory Point. My name's Matt. I'm one of the pastors here at Victory Point. You may have noticed, uh, especially when Lon and Nancy were up here, like we're having some lighting issues. These lights won't come on, so it's kind of dim right here. So Mitch, I'm going to ask, can we go back to like it was when they were just singing some background light? That way I don't have to get my flashlight out on my phone and I can read what I wrote and things like that. All right. Well, hey, we are starting a new series this morning, a summer series. It's called Kairos. And uh, Kairos is a Greek word. A lot of you probably are familiar with that word. It's part of our discipleship culture here at Victory Point. But a, a Kairos or Kairos, Kairos is a Greek word which means time. You know, there's different words for time in the Greek language, like we're most familiar with chronos, chronological, time like a timeline. Well, a kairos is a specific moment in time. It's a moment in time when, when you know, something significant is happening and breaking through into chronological time. And uh, Jesus actually uses that word in Mark 1 when he begins his public ministry with a declaration when he says, the time has come. The kingdom of God is here. Repent and believe the good news. The word that Jesus uses in that moment is the word kairos. He, like, like there's a specific thing happening. That there, there's a breakthrough happening. The kingdom of God is breaking into human history in a new and fresh way. And Jesus says when that happens, when, when something like that gets your attention, you should repent and believe. You, you, should, you should pause and, and process and pay attention to, to why... Why is this getting my attention? What is God trying to say to me and what do I need to do about it? So this summer, what we're going to do in this series is we're just asking whoever's up here on a Sunday morning to just share what's a recent kairos in their life. How how has God been getting your attention? And what is he saying to you? And what is he saying perhaps to us? And what are we going to do about it? So this morning we kick off our series, Kairos. But like Brendan mentioned, today is also Father's Day, right? So happy Father's Day to all the fathers in the room. I thought it would be a good morning to uh, maybe do a few dad jokes, you know, uh, because it's Father's Day, right? And you got to laugh on Father's Day at whatever joke your dad says, you got to laugh at it. That's the rule of Father's Day. So I thought the kids might appreciate this. So kids, I'm going to give you some good jokes here, okay? So, So pay attention. These are really good. These are some of my best jokes that I have in my repertoire. So uh, here's, here's the first joke. How did Darth Vader know what Luke got him for Christmas? He could feel his presence. His presence. You know, he could feel the presence, right? That's good. You got to laugh, okay? What do you call a bear without any teeth? A gummy bear. A gummy bear. Isn't that good? That's a good one. Here's the best one. What do you call a fish with two knees? Two knees. A toonie fish. Come on, that's good, right? A toonie fish. That's a good dad joke right there. You guys, I just gave you some good material for when you have your your gatherings this afternoon, and so make sure you use those. But uh, given today is Father's Day, I thought it would be helpful. You're still laughing at that one, aren't you? You guys, like, later in the message, I'll see you laughing because some of you might get it finally, like what we were saying. But um, since it's Father's Day, I thought it would be, uh, you know, kind of fun to kind of 
discern who's the, who gets the best dad award in the room this morning. Who gets the best dad award? So if you're a dad of a child of any age, raise your hand right now. Raise your hand. Look at all the dads in the room. Keep your hand raised if you've never left your child somewhere accidentally. Whoa. Some hands went down. Did you see that? What I'm really grateful for is no one suddenly got up and left the room. Like, oh my gosh, I just, I remember where my kid is. Keep your hand raised if you've let your child win every time at sports and games that you've played. If you always let your kid win. Oh, not so many hands raised anymore. Here's another one. Keep your hand raised if when your child did something wrong, you've never thought or said out loud, he or she is so much like her mother. Like, anybody still got their hand raised? Yep, that's what I thought. There's no perfect dads here in the room this morning. There's no perfect dads. Truthfully, there's no perfect moms in the room today. There's no perfect kids in the room. We're in this together. So I thought just in an effort to be super practical this morning for all the dads in the room, I would share some advice. Some advice that maybe old dads have for young dads. Okay, I'm keenly aware that we have a lot of new young dads in our congregation. So I thought, you know, what, what do I wish I knew as a young dad now that I'm an old dad? I wish I knew it then. You know, or, so I, did, I wrote down some stuff. I looked up some, some lists online. Uh, my friend Scott Jester down in uh, Fort Wayne, I remember him sharing a list like this once. So I'm just going just gonna to read these off. Okay, this is advice for all dads from old dads to young dads. When it comes to being a dad, or a parent really, show no favorites, agree with your spouse on discipline and agreed upon courses of action, don't sweat the small stuff, dad, choose your battles wisely, teach your children the golden rule early, hold your children accountable, put God first in everything. Don't play the comparison game. Don't compare your children to their siblings. Right, kids? We don't like that. Don't compare your kids to their siblings or to their friends. Cherish each moment. Be fully present. It's it's really true. It goes fast. It goes really fast. Cherish every moment. Show your children that you're in love with their mother. Encourage your children to bring God glory in everything they do and lead by example. Never pass up the chance to tell them that you love them, no matter how old you are or they are. I still, to this day, whenever I say goodbye to my mom and dad on the phone, we always say we love you. I do it with my children. Teach your children God's word. Memorize scripture with them. And when they grow old, they will not depart from it, the scriptures say. Don't provoke your children to wrath. Don't exasperate your children. That was a tough one for me at times. Be patient with them. Let the little things go. What's most important is that they learn to walk with God. Don't be afraid to admit your mistakes. It shows them that you're human. Be ready to ask forgiveness when you mess up. Be a real and living example. So we're going to look at a story about what it means to be a father this morning. And and before we dive into that, I'd just like to invite us to pray together. So let's pray. Lord, thank you for gathering us here together in this moment, in this space. We'll never get this exact moment again, so we don't want to miss anything that you're up to or anything that you have for us. 
And Lord, we do. We, we celebrate on this day dads and fathers. And Lord, we, we thank you um, for our fathers and for our dads. And, but, but yet we also just acknowledge, because we, we live in a broken world, that while for most of us, today is just like just an ordinary sort of even special day where we just celebrate and, and acknowledge our, our fathers, we, we know that it, for others it, it's not so fun because they've lost their father. And maybe this is the first Father's Day without their father alive. And, and it's really hard. And it's really tough. Or, or maybe, Lord, I'm sure there, there's some of us here, you know, we, we don't have a great relationship with our dad. Or we never knew our dad. It, it, we have a broken relationship, possibly. Or, or maybe there's, there's, there's men here who desire to be a dad. And it's just, it hasn't happened yet. And they long for that. Lord, we, we know that whenever we have a holiday like this, whenever we set aside a day, you know, especially, you know, around being a mom or a dad or something, it, it's a mixed bag. It really is. But we gather in the presence of our Heavenly Father, the one who is, is the, the Father who never lets us down, who's always there, who's always for us, who loves us unconditionally. And, and we desire, Lord, that that Father would just meet us where we're at this morning and, and teach us what we need to be taught, give us what we need to be given, Challenge us in the way we need to be challenged. Lord, may we not miss your heart for us this morning. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Well, obviously, I mean, let's just acknowledge, you know, the, the, this simple reality this morning. Not everyone in this room is a father or a parent. But what, what is true of all of us is, we have fathers, or we've had a father in our lives. And, and what's especially true is that we all have a heavenly father in common. Whether we acknowledge him as our father or not, we, we all share a heavenly father in common. And this morning, I just want to remind us again what he is like. Because while none of us are perfect fathers, or parents, or children, our heavenly father is. He's good, and we want to be like him. So this morning we want to remind ourselves what he is like. And when you think about it, whenever Jesus wanted to teach his listeners what the kingdom of heaven is like, or, or maybe you know, what, what the, the heavenly father is like, um, he would always tell a story. He would tell a story. We call them parables, you know, an, an earthly story with a, a heavenly meaning. And, and Jesus, you know, he's brilliant. He understood the value of not just giving people a list, of not just giving people, you know, a, a list of, of characteristics or traits or attributes. He understood the value of, of often, you know, giving people concrete, tangible, imitatable pictures. So he would tell stories, parables. And in Luke 15, in Luke chapter 15, Jesus shares a series of three parables, the last one being incredibly familiar. We call it the, the parable of the prodigal son. Or in, in newer translations, sometimes it's titled the, the parable of the lost son. But it really could be technically the parable of the lost sons. And uh, Tim Keller, in his book, The Prodigal God, goes as far as to suggest like it actually really could be called the prodigal God. Or, or the story of the prodigal father. Because if you look up the word prodigal... In the dictionary, one of the meanings of prodigal means 
having or giving something on a lavish scale. And for those of us who know this story, we understand that, yeah, that's the father in this story. He, he gives and lavishes grace and love on an incredibly huge scale. It, it, it's a brilliant story. And it certainly is a picture to us of the kind of father or, or parent or person that we want to be. But most of all, it's a picture to us of what God the Father is like. So I'm just going to invite you to hear this story again. And i um, not going to put it on the screen because I purposely... I'm even going to invite you not to follow along in your Bible or on your phone right now. I mean, you can open it up to Luke 15 in just a minute after I read it. But I would instead invite you to just listen. Close your eyes if that's helpful. And just pretend you've never heard this story. I want you to hear this story like, like Jesus' listeners would have heard this story for the very first time. Like try to, try to erase in your mind like the outcome of this story and just be, be drawn into the drama and like the, the feelings of the story. Okay, um, just as a, as a quick context, in, in Luke 15, verse 1, you know, I want to remind us who Jesus is telling this story to. It says, Now the tax collectors and the sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners, and he eats with them. So you have the, the, the tax collectors and the sinners gathered around Jesus, and then you have the Pharisees and the religious leaders sort of leaning in. That, that's who is hearing this story. And, he, and he, tells the, he, he tells the story of a lost sheep. He tells the story of a lost coin. And then he gets to this story, the parable of the lost son. So just listen to this story. Jesus continued. There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all that he had, and he set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. And after he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. And he ran to his son and threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. 
For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and he asked him, what's going on? Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and he refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so that I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, who has squandered your property with prostitutes, comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me, and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad, because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found And we don't know what happened to the older son because Jesus ends the story right there. Kind of leaves us hanging, wondering. It's a brilliant storyteller, Jesus is. But here's, here's what grips me. Fathers love it when their children come home. Fathers, parents, love it when their children come home. Let me show you a picture of one of my children coming home last week. This is in the Minneapolis airport, like at 2 a.m. Michigan time, last Tuesday morning. My middle child, JC, with the backwards hat there, has just returned from a nine-month mission trip with Adventures in Mission. A lot of you know this. She's been gone on a nine-month like kingdom adventure around the world with adventures in mission called the Gap Year World Race. And uh, she's been gone nine months. We got to see her for just a couple days in February down in Guatemala. But my child has come home. She's not actually home yet in Michigan. She's up in Alaska right now. She'll come home to Michigan on Tuesday. But uh, she's come home. And uh, this I mean, it was a fiasco of great proportions, and it was so much fun. Like, originally, she was supposed to fly from Cambodia to China to L.A., and her flight was canceled out of Cambodia, so she missed her connecting flight in L.A., so we had to get her a new flight. Long story short, instead of landing in Chicago, she landed in Minneapolis. So we drove out there, and we went to the airport, like, at 2 a.m., and I got to tell you, that, that moment when we're standing there by the baggage carousel, and then, like, there's that door where you come through security to the baggage claim. Like, to, to see her coming down, the, like, I'm, I'm sitting like this, like, looking up the escalator through the door. And to, to see her come down the escalator, you know, and, and come toward us. I mean, I can't even put into words. Like, like just the joy, like, in our hearts. And, and even, I think, even in Levi's heart as the brother. Like, he was even happy to see his sister come home. And Tori obviously was. And, and it was in... You know, it was just this, it was a cool moment. And, and I think that's my kairos, and that's why I chose this story for this morning, which seems like a great story for Father's Day. Like, like I think I get, just in a small, teeny piece, what this father's heart felt when he looked down the road and he saw his son coming home. I mean, does it matter if you've been gone for nine months on a mission trip or gone for years on a wayward, prodigal journey? Doesn't matter to a father. 
When your kid comes home, it's an amazing feeling. Fathers love it when their children come home. So I just want to take a deeper look this morning at the father in this story, in, in, in what's he like, and in, in how can I be like him. So I, I'm just going like, to offer five quick observations that I have from this story, applications, if you will, that might be helpful to us as fathers, as parents. Um, and, and I want to do that. And then I want to get to the real heart of the story. And then I just want to pray. I want to pray for fathers and I want to pray for all of us this morning. That's kind of, kind of where we're going. So here's the first thing I observe in this story. The father provided for his family. I never really thought about this or observed this or noticed this in this story. But, but it's, it's true and it's real. The father provided for his family. It's what fathers do. This particular father seemed actually pretty well to do. You know, he had an estate, he had enough of an inheritance so that his son could take his inheritance and live an extravagant lifestyle, at least for a short while. You know, he had enough money when his son returned to put a ring on his finger and a robe on his body, to kill the fattened calf and to hire a band to throw a party. I mean, I don't want to discount, like, like one of the roles of a father is to provide. To, to provide for his family. Maybe not in the same way or to the same level can all of us provide the way this father did, but, but at the very least to provide the, the essentials, you know, the, the basics, food, clothing, and shelter. I think it's a desire hardwired into our hearts as fathers, and, and I, would, I would say as parents, actually, to provide. Like, if you, if you look up 1 Timothy 5.8, 1 Timothy 5.8, it actually you know, Paul gives instructions like, man, like, provide for your relatives, especially those in your household. You know, when you don't, he almost suggests it, it's, it's unfaithful following of God. Like, and it just, you know, I, this story just caused me to just be really grateful for my parents and, and for how they've provided for me. You know, when you're growing up, when you're little, when you're a kid, you don't always recognize it. And, and you, you always maybe sometimes focus on what you don't have versus what you do have. But, you know, I'm just really grateful that this, this story teaches me um, to be grateful to my parents for the way that they provided for me. I, I grew up in like a, a blended, mixed family, you know, kind of broken, remarried sort of situation. I know that's probably true of many of you in this room as well. And so I feel like I almost had two glimpses of, you know, one set of parents who could provide really well and another set of parents who just struggled to make ends meet. And they both taught me lessons. And they both worked hard, and my mom's worked hard. And uh, I just find myself just being very grateful for, for this role that a that good father, good fathers, good parents played in my life. Fathers provide for their family. The other thing I noticed about this father is he was generous. He, he was a really, really generous father. I mean, let me just read this again, verse 11 and 12. Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. I mean, if we were to put this maybe into contemporary language today, I imagine this is maybe like a 18, 19, maybe 20-year-old son who sort of goes to his father and says, Dad, you know, I've, I've been using the calculator on my phone, and uh, based on what you have and what interest might earn it and things, I, I sort of calculated that probably, you know, when you die, I'll inherit $250,000. I would like that now, please. I mean, that, which was quite an insult 
Because it's basically saying, like, I wish you were dead so I can have what you have for me. I mean, it was very insulting. Now, to our surprise, I mean, it's so matter of fact, it's just like a little verse. Like, to our surprise, the Father gives it to him. He gives it to him. Unconditionally. Unconditional generosity. Regardless of what the Son deserved or didn't deserve, the Father is generous toward his Son. And like me, you're probably questioning the wisdom of this father. Like, what are you doing, dad? But I think we need to remind ourselves sometimes God's ways and God's wisdom are, is not ours. He's different. He's bigger than we are. He, he, he's smarter than we are. But I, I got to suspect, don't you? And I suspect Jesus' listeners thought this too. Like, I, the father probably knew that this wasn't going to go well, right? I mean, if, if you're a father of any experience, you knew like, this isn't going to go well. I'm going to give him the money, but it's not going to go well. But I think his father understood that he needed to learn some lessons. So he let him, and he gave him his inheritance. And, and you know, the, the, this whole idea of, he's a, you can't deny he's a generous father in this story. And it, and it causes me to, to do some reflection. Like, how am I being generous to my children? How am I being generous to my children? Not just with financial capital, because because my kids aren't going like, to have this sort of means available to them. But um, what, what, what about my other capitals? We all have different capitals. We all have five capitals. I mean, it's more than just financial capital. Like, am I being generous with my time? Am I being generous with my time to my children? I mean, I look back. Like, I, I wish I could go back and be as smart as I am now when I, then. But you can't. You just can't. But, like, I realize, like, I, I, I spent a lot of time providing working for my family, but not giving a lot of time to my kids at times when they needed it. And like, if I could go back, if I could advise young fathers, like, make sure you're generous in the gift of time. Make sure you're generous in the gift of time to your children. Another thing I noticed about this father, he was willing to give his son space. He was willing to give his son space. The father gave each of his sons space to be their own person. So verse 13, you know, the, the, the younger son asked for his share of the property. Not long after that, the younger son, like after he received, you know, his share of the estate, not long after that, the younger son gathered all that he had and he set off for a distant country and there squandered his wealth in wild living. Likely, you know, Brendan and I were talking about that this week, like likely this, this younger son took this great sum of money and went to what is known as the Decapolis, you know, sort of the 10 cities, the pagan cities. And, and, it's, and it's possible that, that these cities were, were maybe even maybe in sight, for instance, across the, the sea you know, of this father. Maybe at night he could see the lights. Like he could, he could see the lights of Las Vegas across the lake and know that, man, my son's over there. My son's over there you know, with all this money. wonder how he's doing. But he, but he didn't... He didn't go rescue him. He, he, he gave him space. He gave him space. One of the hardest things to do as a parent is to let your kids go. It is to let your kids go. I mean, of all stages of life, right? Like, I mean, think about like that, that your, your oldest child that first day of kindergarten and going to the bus stop and having the bus go away with your kid on it. Anybody cry? I mean, I, I didn't. But, you know, like, I might have a little bit. But, um... I mean, it, it hits you, right? Or, or when they, they turn, you know, they get their driving permit and, and they're, they're starting to drive. And then that day's going to come 
when, I'm not looking at you, that, that day's going to come when they go off by themselves. They got their license and they go off by themselves. Or, or you take them to college and you help them move into their dorm and then you have to drive away. I mean, it, it's, it's tough. It, it's tough to give your kids space. I mean, I, I remember the first time like six years ago when, uh, when Reese spent his first summer up in Alaska working for Uncle Todd. I remember back then I got to go into the gate with him because I got a special permission as a parent, you know, unaccompanied minor flying and like then like watching the plane like, like kind of move away from the gate and just like tears streaming down. I was like, like this, is a, this is a powerful, cool moment, but it was, it was a hard moment, you know? But I, I'm so grateful that somehow we, we've, we've had these moments because they've really formed my kids into being who they are. And it makes it easier each time the next one, you know, goes away and does something. You know, there, there's a, a book called Growing Kids God's Way. Maybe some of you have read this book. And it's by Gary and Anna Ezzo. And he describes in that book, there's sort of four stages of parenting. There's four stages that every parent has to go through. There's the discipline stage. That's kind of when your children are kind of zero birth to, to five years old or so. That's when, you know, it's all about just establishing the rules. Here's, here's right and wrong. Here's good and bad. And, and they suggest in this book that, that that's such a significant foundation that if you don't, if you don't accomplish that in that time, it, it's hard to insert, you know, later on. And then as your kid grows up, you get into that training stage, sort of the, the 6 to 12-year-old stage, where you become more of the example and the role model for your kids. They're, they're watching you. You're, they're watching you how you tie your shoes and cut your meat and, and how you get dressed by yourself. You know, in sports at that age, you're, you're teaching kids the basic skills of, of kicking a soccer ball or dribbling a basketball. And then they get up into their teenage years, 13 to 19, and you shift as a parent from training to coaching. Your kid's now in the game, you know, and you're a little bit more on the sideline now. You move to the sideline, they're playing the game. You, you can't do everything for them anymore. And uh, you, you might call a timeout sometimes, and, and you might like send in a play or something like that, but, but they're, li- they're beginning to live their own life, and it's important for them to have other examples besides you in their lives that they can watch and, and learn from and imitate. And then you get to the friendship stage. You know, as your kid kind of moves out of the teenage years and, and into the adult years, hopefully that's where you become good friends. Where you begin to walk together and laugh together and talk together and, and you just, you, you've turned them loose to become who God wants them to be. I got to admit, as I thought about this, like the coaching was not easy for me, especially with my firstborn. Like I was, I, I wanted to control everything. I wanted to still be the one doing things, you know, on his behalf and it created like, like tension for us. And um, I remember Steve, Steve Rusticus, who used to be the pastor here, just like just like, giving me some advice once that was really helpful. He said, you know, sometimes the goal of the teenage years is just to get to the adult years with a relationship intact. Just get to the adult years with a relationship intact because you'll have way more years as an adult-to-adult relationship than you were these little teen years. And, and I started to pay attention to that and, and not have to win every battle and, and to let go and to not sweat the small stuff. And so now, like fast forward, now my son Reese is... Um, 20 and uh like we i was driving him down to chicago to fly up to alaska for the summer of last month and we just had this amazing conversation in the car ride all the way to chicago talking about god talking about 
Jesus talking about, you know, life. And it was like one of the most special, like, adult-to-adult conversations, like, we've ever had. And um, I'm just really enjoying, you know, like, that, that friendship stage of life. I'm, all I'm saying is, like, as parents, we go through these stages. And I think the father in this story understood that, that he needed to allow his son to, to go through some, you know, some evolving and, and some stages, which... You know, leads me to this then, which I appreciate about the father in this story. He seemed able to forgive and to move on. Let me just read a couple more verses. You know, so after he'd spent everything, the younger son, um, there was a severe famine in the whole country and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out as a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed the pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating. But no one gave him anything to eat. For the first time in his life, this younger son was truly in need. He was hungry. He was cold. He was homeless. This was a brand new experience for him. And he was reduced to feeding pigs, the lowest job in the area. And especially for a Jewish boy who thought that pigs were unclean. I mean, he, he's hit the lowest of the lows. And he longs to fill his stomach you know, with what the pigs are eating. Can you imagine? So, so he, he comes to his senses, it says. This light bulb goes on. He says, you know what? The servants back at my father's house, they have food to spare. Here's what I'll do. I'll go back home. I'll confess to my father that I sinned against him and against God. And I'm no longer worthy to be your son. Just make me one of your servants. And there's this cool transition happening in this younger son's life. Did you catch the language? He moves from at the beginning of the story, father, give me, give me some money to now, father, make me, make me a servant. Like the shift has happened where he's, he's matured from, you know, give me things to make me the kind of person that I need to be. And that's the transition we all need to go through. So he's, he sets out to return to his father. Now let's just pause right there and let's be completely honest. If you were this guy's father or mother, if you were this guy's parent or sibling even or friend, what would you do? Knowing what he did, and he's coming home, how would you receive him? Honestly, like, like what would you do? Would you kind of be really tempted to sort of lay into him a little bit? You know, to, to maybe remind him how he screwed up? Maybe kind of lay into him like, do you realize what you put your mother through? You know, maybe like, uh, I told you so. I told you so. Honestly, how, how would you respond? Because this is how the father in this story, really how God the father responds to us in these situations. While he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. And he ran to his son and he threw his arms around him and he kissed him. You want to know what God the father is like? That's what he's like. That's what he's like. He's not an I told you so God. He ran. Middle, Middle Eastern Jewish patriarchs don't run. Mothers might run. Kids obviously run. Patriarchs don't run. He ran. He ran to his son and he wraps his arms around him and he kisses him. And, and it's such a powerful moment. And the son is trying his best to give his rehearsed confession, his speech. And it's almost as if the father doesn't even hear it. He doesn't even acknowledge it. He doesn't even, you know, respond to it. 
The son's trying to give his speech, and the father's like, hey, go get the robe, get the ring, let's kill the fattened calf, hire the band, we're going to have a party. My son was lost, and now he's found. He was dead, now he's alive. Let's put the robe on him, remind him of his identity, remind him of whose son he is. Let's put the ring on his finger, remind him of, of the authority he has as my son. You know, let's celebrate, let's celebrate extravagantly. My son is home. You ever been forgiven when you didn't deserve to be forgiven? Jesus is trying to tell us through this story, that's God's specialty. God's specialty is forgiving us when we don't deserve to be forgiven. And as dad of my family, as as dads and parents of, of our families, are we willing to give forgiveness and move on? Maybe for some of you this is hitting home this morning because there's a situation where, where there's unforgiveness that's just out there. Paul says love doesn't keep any record of wrongs. Jesus says in, the, in the, the Sermon on the Mount when he talks about praying in the Lord's Prayer, he says, you know, if we forgive others, our Father will forgive us. Forgiveness is a big deal to God. We, as parents, we need to be forgiving. And then lastly, and then we'll close, the Father loved equally but yet differently. He loved equally, but yet differently. Two completely different sons in this story. You have one son who stays at home, stays close, works hard, follows the rules. You have another son who's like the wild child. Got a rebellious streak in him. You know, has to learn things the hard way. And you know what? For anyone here who has more than one child, you understand this. They're different. They're all different. They're they're wired differently. They have different love languages that they respond to. Kids are different. And you love them equally, but you parent them differently. The younger son needed invitation. The older son needed some challenge and some reminder. I mean, remember the two groups who were listening to this story? You have the sinners and the tax collectors. I can imagine they're like rooting for the younger son. Man, because if he can get received like that, there's hope for us. And then you have like the Pharisees and the religious leaders, you know, they're kind of miffed and annoyed. It, like, well, the older son was, he did, he did everything right, you know. Um, shouldn't, shouldn't he be the one that gets everything? And, and you got the, the, this tale of two sons. The, the one son, the younger son, who shows us that there's no, you can't, you can't go farther beyond God's reach. You, 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 there's no sin great enough that if, that if you just turn back, God won't embrace you. There, there's no sin that you've, you've ever engaged in or done or are currently in that can separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. And then you got the older son who shows us that, that you can't work hard enough or do enough good things to, to, to earn God's love because you already have it. You already have it as his son. Like everything that's true of him is already true of, of you. It's, it's such a brilliant, beautiful story. But in the end, what it really points to is the, the true older son, Jesus, who said, I'll go. I'll, I'll stand in the gap. I'll fix this problem of sin. I'll take it upon myself. I'll take all the sin in the world upon myself, and I'll die for it. And, and I, I will conquer it, and I will bring victory to it. So I want to invite the band up. I want to close with a time of prayer. I want to pray. I really think I want to pray this morning for dads 
And then I want to pray for all of us. Then we're going to sing and head home. So here's how I want to do this this morning. I want to go back to, to that four stages of parenting. And I want to, I want to pray just a, a quick prayer over dads in each stage of, of fatherhood this morning. So I'm going to ask, like, if, if you're a dad right now of a child who's zero to five years old, if you would just stand. If you would just stand, if, if you're a dad here this morning and you have a child who's zero to five years old, and can the rest of us, just like we do when we bless the kids, can we extend a hand of blessing? And we want to pray for these guys right now, okay? Father, we're going to pray right now for the dads of young kids. I pray, that, I pray for sleep. I pray for sleep for these men. And I pray for strength. And I pray for patience. And I pray for wisdom over them. Lord, as they teach their children right from wrong. I pray that that you would help them balance grace and truth the way that you do. I pray that they would know your truth and I pray that you would show them the love that you have for them and then they can just overflow that to their children. In Jesus' name, amen. You guys can sit down. Dads of 6 through 12-year-olds can stand up. Some of you are going to be in multiple categories this morning. Dads of 6 to 12-year-olds, look at these guys. Let's pray for them. Extend a hand of blessing. Lord, these, these men are at, these fathers are at an important stage of being a role model, of being an example to their children. I pray that, that these men would understand their own identity in you and that they are who you say they are, not because of anything they do, but just simply because of your love and your grace. And Lord, I, I pray that as they dig deep into who they are, that they, they would express and extend that to their kids, that they would raise their kids in the training, in the instruction of the Lord, that they would enjoy their kids and that they would be a a picture of someone who imitates Jesus as they invite their kids to imitate them. In Jesus' name, amen. Dads of 13 and 19-year-olds, dads of teenagers, you need our prayers. Let's pray for you right now, okay? Just send a hand of blessing to them. Lord, I, I know from experience and still in this that this is a, a really exciting and sometimes daunting, overwhelming stage of fatherhood. Lord, I, I pray that you would give these men um, this the wisdom to, to, to know when to step in and when to step back. I pray you give them understanding and wisdom when they don't know what to do. I pray that, that, that they would be able to to trust and hand over their kids to you as they have, you know, first-time experiences, you know, um, driving a car and, and going away for an extended period of time. And Lord, I, I pray that these guys would know, just like you taught me, like when you make mistakes, there's forgiveness and there's grace. There's no such thing as a perfect father. There's only a real father seeking to be like Jesus and do what he says. So Lord, um, I pray for these guys. That, that your picture of your son, you know, you, you said like when, you, when we see Jesus, we see the Father so that we would follow the example of Jesus because that's following the way of the Father. May it be true of these guys. Amen. And then dads of children who are 20 years old or more, why don't you guys stand? Lord, for these dads, I pray for their adult-to-adult relationships with their children at whatever stage of life that is right now. 
I pray that whether their kids are close by or far away, I I pray for quality conversations, for for good connections, for for laughter and and joy-filled opportunities. Lord, if there's any father standing right now who maybe have an estranged relationship with a child, we, we pray for healing. We pray for breakthrough. We pray for reconciliation. We pray for forgiveness. Lord, we, we, we pray that heaven would come to earth and that your blessing and your favor and grace would be on these relationships with their children, that they would finish well and finish strong. And then let's have everybody stand. Lord, we just thank you for the reminder through this story that, that you are a provider. You are Jehovah Jireh, my provider. Lord, we, we thank you that you are a generous father to us, that every good and perfect gift comes from above and that you are generous, generous to us even when we don't deserve it. It doesn't, it doesn't hinder or or stop your generosity to us, that you are a forgiving Father, that you forgive and move on. Help us to move on. That you love it when your children come home. You love it. You love it when your children come home. So Lord, I pray if there's anyone here this morning who maybe like the younger brother has wandered away from you, has never really maybe known you, I pray for a return this morning. Wouldn't Father's Day be the perfect day to return to the Father who has his, who's, who's looking down the road waiting for you to just turn around and take a step back because he's ready to bolt toward you and embrace you and kiss you and welcome you home and give you his identity by putting a robe on you and, and giving you his his kingdom authority by putting a ring on your finger and celebrating with the fattened calf. Lord, I pray for anybody here this morning who doesn't know you as Father, that they would just very simply this morning just say, Lord, take my life. I return. I, I, I turn to you. I turn to you. Embrace me. And Lord, I pray for anybody here this morning who may be like the older son, is just trying so hard to, to please you, to, to, to do good so that you notice us and recognize us and bless us. Lord, May we be freed from that because we already have your blessing. Everything that you have is ours, not because of anything we do, but because of your goodness and your grace and your generosity. So Lord, we just celebrate our good, good father this morning. We we declare that he's a good father, that we are loved by you, that we are who you say we are. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. Let's just sing one song and then uh, we, we can go. It's an appropriate song.